You're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. Last month, we announced our best new restaurants in America, and we invited all the chefs and their crews to come to New York for a big old party. And we took that opportunity to sit down with Genevieve Villamora from Bad Saint, the number two restaurant in America. And then during a little party we threw for the chefs, we invited them to kind of come into a little confessional booth and talk about what it's like to be named one of the best new restaurants in America, uh, their background as chefs, and what the future holds for them. So we will hear from the chefs of Morcia, Buxton Hall, Staple House, and Oberlin. But first, here's Andrew Knowlton and I and Genevieve Villamora. Bad Saint, your restaurant, of which you are a partner with Nick how do you pronounce Nick's last name? Pimentel. Pimentel. Like pimento cheese, but with a tell at the end instead. So he's your Pimentel. partner. Business partner, yes. But then your chef, Tom Kunanen. Correct. Is the chef. Nice work. Are all of you guys Filipino? We are all Filipino. Cool. Even um, Chef is actually the only one that was born in the Philippines. And then Nick and I were both born in the States um, and raised here. So I, I'm from Chicago and Nick was born just outside Baltimore. So how did you guys get paired up as business partners? So Nick is a co-owner in this other restaurant that's literally on the same block as Bad Saint called Room 11. And I used to work there. And, um, and that's how we became friends, was through Room 11. And then I left and started working at other restaurants. But we stayed in touch. And we all kind of live around there. Which is, which is where, exactly? It's um, in Columbia Heights, which is a neighborhood in Northwest D.C. I think for me, the... the the tone and the energy of the city really seemed to change markedly with um, the Obamas coming because, as we know, our Flotus is such a fashionista. And I think she just, like, upped the awareness of creative things and clothes. And they both love going out, and they've been such great supporters of the restaurant scene in D.C. And they have their finger on the pulse of where is the new place to eat, and everyone would just follow them in droves wherever they went. So there was just something exciting about them. I mean... I feel like it was part of the campaign overall, like change and youth and hope. But when they came, I feel like a lot of young people came to town, whether they were coming to work in politics or whether they were coming to do other stuff. And a lot of the young folks who have moved to D.C. in like the past five to ten years are actually doing creative things. Have have the first couple been to Bad Saint? No, they have not yet been to Bad Saint. They've been to Rose's Luxury. They've been to Rose's Luxury. <laughs> yes, they have been to Rose's Luxury. So I have a luxury. question for you. So the uh, Aaron Silverman, who you know, who owns yes. Rose's Luxury, the chef, he said the only person who's ever skipped a line, not even his mother or father, was, was Obama and, and First Lady. Would they get to skip the line at Bad Saint? Yes. Yes. Before we did the podcast... I emailed my man, Joe House, of the uh, Bill Simmons podcast family, and he's a DC guy, big food guy, and I asked him if he had been to Bad Saint. And he said, no, he hadn't been yet. Um, and he said, haven't been, I'm too old to stand in line, and I haven't figured out how to crack the code via paid line standards, mm. which is the way I've successfully been to Rose's Luxury a bunch of times at exactly the time I want to eat. Uh, Bad Saint's been at the top of my list, but you didn't do me any favors with all the publicity you all just bestowed it. <laughs> Let's say I get to Bad Saint at 7 p.m. this oh, Friday it's night. It's over. Done. What just do you mean? Stick a fork in it. It's done. Don't. I can't. Don't I come. can't go. <laughs> I mean, literally, if I show up at seven, you're like, no, you're not going to get in at all. 
He hasn't been to bed. Correct. Wow. What time is your? What time does the last place go to the kitchen? Or la- what time do you take the last orders? How, or how do you, you decide? Need to, so you we need start, to start at the beginning, Raffo. Yeah. <laughs> what time do you open? Yeah. We open at five thirty. And what time Andrew? does the line start? Well, I don't know if this is, is this going to encourage people to come, or is it going <laughs> to well, be like I coming. hate this place already and You'll I haven't even fine. seen You'll it. You'll be fine. Due to recent developments of the past three weeks. It was busy when I was there the first time. Lines have been starting quite earlier than we're used to. So? Give me and some by s- that, I mean three. No. 3.30. And the all-time what? earliest was 2 o'clock. That's crazy. And we open at 5.30. Wow. So, so, all right. So, and then how many, but the, how many seats in the restaurant? 24. Well, that's, that's also that's crazy. 40. All right. So, 24. And so, then the last orders go in at what time? We stop seating at ten, and uh-huh. we try to get last orders in by quarter after. But all the all the tables are spoken for at what time? Oh yeah. Um, also, recently, uh, we've been full up for the night, like our wait list, mm-hmm. by six thirty almost wow. every night. What's the largest table you'll see? Four. Four. Holy cow! You guys don't. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you need to expand. No, it's all right. So let's well, let's talk about the restaurant itself. Um, it doesn't it, sound real, does it? When you say, I know you can't make it up. It's yeah. like, what's the most annoying restaurant that you could possibly think of that would just make you want to rip all your hair off? <laughs> no, let's talk about the restaurant itself. Um, I've worked with you for about five or six years now. Uh, you have not spent a lot of time talking about Filipino cuisine. Um, and you've been trying to sell me on how D.C. is an actual real food town right now. So what sort of clicked for you with Bad Saint? And what was your first visit like? Well, I had had, I dabbled in some uh, Filipino food here in New York. There had been some new places. And, and I grew up in New York kind of... Uh, Going to Cendrillon, which mm-hmm. was a very kind of, I don't know, for a lot of people in New York, that was their first taste. And Is that one in Soho? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Beautiful big space. Was yeah. there, uh, Ram, Ram, I went Rami? there a few times before they there. closed. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, that was my introduction. And then I worked with a guy named King who opened up Kuma Inn. Mm-hmm. Um, I went, I had heard of this restaurant, Bad Saint, and I, at the time, I even knew that there was a, a, a wait. And I'm used to that in D.C. with Rose's Luxury mm-hmm. and Little Sarah, which is this amazing mm-hmm. Thai place that was on our list. Yep. Uh, Where one I used year. to work. You used to work at Little mm-hmm. Cero. And so I got there. I want to say I got there around five. And there was one. Mm-hmm. There was a younger woman in line with her dog. And then there was a few other people. And it looked, it almost looks abandoned from the outside because they leave the shutters down. And it doesn't, it doesn't look like a real restaurant. Kind of, right? It's very plain from the outside. And then all of a sudden this magical, you know, the clock hits 530 and the blinds go up. And then all these smiling people kind of come out and, and <laughs> greet you. And then they take you, they literally take you back into the room. And it's not just like everybody runs into the door at once. It's, and Genevieve is there. It's not, it's not like getting on a Southwest Airlines no, flight. No, <laughs> no, this is like old school flying where everyone's just standing patiently. And Genevieve comes out. I call her the most gracious host that I ever met this year. And she just kind of welcomes you almost like into your home. And how many, you know, and then she seats you down. And it's not just leaving you. Then she kind of. I don't really hold you didn't hold my hand literally, but <laughs> Joe, but she you know explains where where you are, what you're doing. Well, question, Genevieve, from whom did you learn that level of hospitality, and and who convinced you that that's such an important thing? Well, I think I learned a lot from a lot of people. I would say first off, from a Filipino American perspective, like hosting people is just something that Filipinos love to do. It is just like. You know, if you go to a Filipino's home, they will practically give you the clothes off their back. (laughs) They'll, like, feed you from their own plate. They'll, like, cook 
obscene amounts of food and then whatever you can't eat because you've been like stuffed within an inch of your life, they will like put in a to-go container for you to take home. Yes. So it's just this, I, that's what I grew up with. Just this feeling of like boundless generosity. And then how do you translate that to a, a, a working restaurant where? I think we try to do it in a lot of different ways. I think we try to do it in a way where it feels like it just kind of is all around you. Um, in terms of restauranty hospitality, I definitely, I learned so much from working at Comey and Little Cero with Johnny Moniz and Ann Marler, just because they, I feel like their approach to hospitality is also so familial feeling, you know, where maybe you might be having the tasting menu upstairs at Comey, but it does feel like you're at a dinner party yeah. and you're being very lovingly tended to. How do you manage to be hospitable when your guests are being really annoying? I just try to always be on the guest side, you know, and not see things from my own perspective because that helps me understand where they're coming from better. Okay, but let's be honest. When is, what is the most, <laughs> when, is it, when is it the most challenging to see it from their side? Like, what, what, what is a couple of things that really drive you nuts that really test your patience, but you, you still manage to be hospitable? Oh, man, Adam. <laughs> Come on, give us a couple. She's, she wants the lines to stay. I know. <laughs> Come on, give, give us two things that drive you crazy. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this one just because I feel like it's a real thing. And in the Filipino-American community, it's a very real conversation that's happening all the time. And you can find it on, actually, you can find it in the comments section for the yellow chicken adobo if you really want to see it in action. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I think that one of the things that's, very, that's really hard for me is when um, folks who come in, and they're not always Filipino either, are like, they are like the authenticity police. Uh, yes. And one time I had some folks who, you know, as their dishes were coming out, they would make a pronouncement on the level of authenticity of that dish. And they did it like for every <laughs> like single in dish. in front of you? Yeah, in front of all of our staff, in front of me. And, and I think the reason why that is hard for me is because we really just want them to have a good meal and to be very, and like be present in the moment and enjoy the music and maybe chit chat with their neighbor. and. Just be there. And everything that we do is trying to encourage that. You know, like just leave whatever you've brought with you outside yeah. and just sit here and like mm -hmm. share a meal. Yeah. And maybe, you know, you're, maybe your neighbor's offering you a sip of their cocktail. Like just have a fun time. That's what we want for people. And I feel like when that is going on, this like the, the critic that can't get turned off, I, I feel like it is hard to get through that sometimes but you've always said that the food that the filipino food that you're doing is not it is not authentic it's it's the three of y'all's interpretation mm -hmm. of perhaps some of what you grew up with mm -hmm. but also you know not advancing filipino food mm -hmm. but doing your take on it totally yeah. and i think that's what's great about american especially mm -hmm. american food right now is that it, it, it's rooted in sort of authenticity but it takes it to a new place right. and mm -hmm. you said american food which it's all part of that canon which is like there's only one plate i mean I think one place in the world, the United States, where you can get all those various influences and you can have a place serving Filipino food that is people are lining up at two o'clock. That's pretty cool. You know, mm -hmm. that wasn't it's happening really cool. 15 years ago. I mean, this, you just wouldn't even believe some of the stories I could tell you, which I'm going to tell <laughs> Go you. Ahead, right. yeah. I'm going to tell you one right now. Bring it on. See if you believe it or not. So this couple came down from New Jersey last week. This happened. A husband and wife and they got in the line and they were probably I'm going to say like 50 plus. And, um, you know, she looked like she could be my auntie. 
and, and he was not Filipino. And so they get on the list and it was probably like six o'clock. And the time that I quoted them was nine thirty, nine forty-five. 45. Mm. Does they, that make, does that pain you though? It does. Yeah. It feels like a million little pins and needles stabbing in my heart. So it what did sucks. they say when you told them that? They were amazing. And you know what they did? They waited in their car outside the restaurant watching videos. <laughs> did you bring them a cocktail? For real. For real. And then the husband like checked in very nicely a few times. And I was like, oh, it's looking like we're going to be right on target for our estimate. Oh. You know, like, God, mm, sucks. And they just were like out there, you know, hanging in their car. So sweet. So finally their seats were ready. And I'm like, tap, tap, tap on the window. <laughs> and they're like, you know, watching an iPad. And then they're like, oh, okay. So then they come inside and they were just the loveliest. They ordered a lot of food. They chit-chatted with all of us so much. They were the nicest. And it was there. They drove down for the weekend. So they didn't come just to eat with us, but like they came straight to the restaurant. Like their suitcases were in the, their suitcases were in the trunk. Wow. Yeah. Because they wanted us to be their first agenda item of their visit. And so we exchanged emails and she actually has, she comes from this part of the Philippines that we have a number, have featured a number of dishes from just because it's very, it's sort of a remote part of the country. It's like a historically sort of neglected, marginalized part of the country. And the food there is so cool because um, the Spanish did not have as much of a foothold there. And so the culture and the food is much more similar to say like Malaysia or Indonesia. Um, and some really unique stuff, and that's where she is from. She's emailed us all these recipes from her childhood. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then she sent these friends of hers to come join us, and they had dinner with us on uh, maybe Saturday. They drove nine hours from Buffalo. No. Wow. They did. <laughs> Filipino? Filipinos. <laughs> they were in the line. They were like some of the first people in line. Wow. Couldn't have been nicer. No, so what did you eat your first time? What do you remember food-wise that you really liked? Do you remember what I ate? Trinity? I do because I looked it up the other day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had the. I started with the yukoi, which is this we have the recipe for, which is kind of the signature dish now. I would mm -hmm. say, or the mm -hmm. one that everybody orders. I'm sure Tom hates making it, but it's kind of this huge. Well, their your version of it is this kind of softball-sized fritter <laughs> of carrots and sweet potatoes and. Cilantro. And freshwater shrimp, mm -hmm. sometimes soft shell crab. Sometimes soft shell crab. It's, it's your blooming onion. It's the Filipino awesome blossom. Yeah. Awesome blossom. <laughs> Someone, a little birdie, told me. Yes. Um, and, and how do you eat that? Do you just like break off yeah, chunks of it? Yeah, it's literally party food. You gotta. I mean, yeah. uh, dipping sauce? Just yeah. use your what hands. What is the dipping sauce? It's chili vinegar. Okay. Mm -hmm. Pretty simple, just straightforward. Do you so, have that by yourself, Nolan? Yeah. <laughs> I were very impressed. They were impressed. Well, I, asked, I actually asked them to make like a half portion, which I think he probably doubled it for that yeah. reason, but <laughs> I ate a lot that night. I so mean, I had, I had the... Um, did you have the banana heart adobo? I did, the, yes. Banana heart is also called the banana blossom, and botanically, it's like the unbloomed flower of a banana plant. And most banana plants only have one. But every once in a while, there will be some weirdo one that has like three or five. But hard to get. It's not on the They're hard to the get time. fresh, yeah. especially. Yeah, where do you get them from? Magic. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> some, someone from, some couple of them buffalo drives them down. I can't give away all my secrets. You just celebrated your year anniversary mm -hmm. September 3rd. Um, where did you think you would be a year ago? Oh, gosh, a year ago, we were so desperate to open. It had taken us so long to open for various reasons, you know, like 
build out things and then utility things. And then things just kept getting pushed back and pushed back. And we were just so like out of our minds, just wanting to like be cooking food for people and be open because we had been working on it for so long. So last year at that time, we were just like, hallelujah. Did (laughs) you, did you know the food was going to be good? We liked it so much. And we always liked Tom's food from the beginning, like the bitter melon dish. Mm -hmm. That was one of the first, when we did a tasting with him and we only ever did one, when we did a tasting with him, that was one of the dishes that he made us. And I remember loving it so much just from that first time that we tasted it. You but know, did you like, think DC would love it? I didn't, I didn't know, but we thought we love it. We are into it. Let's just, we can't do this halfway. Yeah. We just thought we have to go all in because everyone's going to be able to tell if we're doing it half-heartedly. Like we have to be super excited about it. It has to be everything that we dreamed and we just have to work really hard. All right, before we get to our lightning round, what another question, where do you eat in D.C. when you're not working? Mm. If you have time to wait in line. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. My husband makes fun of me because I complain about waiting. Um, (laughs) Isn't that ironic? (laughs) (laughs) It's the worst. It's the worst. Um, I tend to like to eat at places that are like that comfort me in some way where I know that every time I go, it's going to be as great as the last time I was there. And where I, where I don't have to think or feel nervous, like, okay, I got this one night off a week that I could do this. Like, am I going to be disappointed? Because mm-hmm. that's... Well, get, right, name some names. Let's go. So, Izakaya Seki mm-hmm. on V Street. Okay. The freshest seafood ever. Cool. Um, such yummy beers and sake. Just everything's so well done. All right, that's one good one. During the, I actually go here during the day because when they're open at night, I'm always working. But these friends of ours, um, Anna Marin and Scott McIntosh, own a little place called Meats and Foods. Meats and Foods. Which is all homemade sausage. And they also make mm. this killer chili that's insane. Where's that? It is on Florida Avenue in Bloomingdale. Okay. And they've invented this delicious thing called a chilito. So they take <laughs> their fabulous, perfect chili and they put it in a tortilla and make it like a mini burrito and mm. roll it up with cheese. And mm. I like to have it with pickled jalapenos, which just bumps it up yeah. a couple <laughs> notches and just as if it could get any more perfect. And just all their sausages are good. They just are, the, the casings are snappy and like they're so juicy. And there's this one that I initially was, you know, on the fence about trying because the name of it is salt and pepper chicken. And it's like, oh, how good is that going to be? It's Amazing. Okay. Yeah. I don't, Chicken sausage. Whenever I go, pepper. whenever I go, Scott's like, what do you want on it? And I'm like, nothing. Cause it's perfect already. And I just want to <laughs> taste it as it is. <laughs> like, I don't want sauerkraut on it. I don't want anything else on it. Cause it's perfect. All right. Uh, lightning round, Alton. We're doing this. Yeah, let's do it. Oh boy. Um, I'm going to start off with a hard one. Maybe this isn't a hard <laughs> this one. This is scary. But you have to answer these one just real quick answer. Either or. How many yeah. words? No, it's in either or. We'll give you either oh, or. You can explain why. Whatever. Ready? Michelle or Barack? Ooh. Barack. Wow. Duh. You just were going on about how Flotus was so cool. <laughs> now you're taking Barack? <laughs> um, I got one. What do you got? Nationals or Redskins? Actually, I think, we call, I think we call them the football team of Washington. Oh, now. Sorry, sorry. I like to call them the red pants. <laughs> Except when they're wearing white pants at home or on the road. Um, Nationals. Wow, Knowlton. I don't even know what this Moco or, or Nova? 
Moco. Oh, Montgomery County or, or Northern, Northern Virginia. Virginia. Oh, I thought no. I know no. Actually, I know both of those. Okay. Um, <laughs> which one do you like better? Moco. Okay. Do you live around there or where do you live? I live closer to there. The signage on the roads is better and there's better food. <laughs> yeah. Is Montgomery Donuts still open? Modos? Oh, I don't that know. Was that was the place one. back in the 80s. They made yeah. amazing donuts. They closed back just in the 90s. Modos. For all your listeners, just do yourselves a favor and don't ever drive in Nova because you'll get lost. Sister- the signage is so bad. <laughs> My sister lives in Nova. Yeah, does she get lost all the time? I don't know. She was in Vienna. I just, whatever. But I, I, I feel you with the Beltway and everything. I can't be, I can't be bothered with the Beltway. It's terrible. Uh, oh, I like this one. Nolten Nolten wrote this one. Eat at five thirty or nine thirty. Nine thirty. You're because you're 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 a nighttime person. I mean, it's yeah. more like one thirty, but whatever. Fried or braised? Fried. But you have a lot of both on your menu, don't you? Between we like, do. Right now and we stuff. have this really lovely goat dish that's braised. It's super yummy. Other than the um, other than the awesome blossom Philippine style, what else do you have? That's your what's your That's next fried. what's your, what's your oh, next best man. fried thing? We have a killer fried chicken right now. You guys really, really like it. What? Damn. You didn't bring us any. Oh, no, geez. I know this second one. I don't know the first one. No, I need to get back to DC. Jumbo slice or Ben's chili bowl? Neither. Ooh, Smackdown. What is jumbo slice? Oh. It's like what it's you a, eat when yeah. you're drunk on 18th Street in Adams Morgan. <laughs> yeah, and I've been I've done that before, just, just not in a while. You just some dude just grinded up on you in a club, and the club <laughs> kicked you out, and you're really hungry. That's what you would eat. Sounds delicious. But it's, it's D.C., so it's not even that late. Wait, wait, but is there a late night, like, what's the equivalent of that that you like? Like, is there? Ooh, you old, know what it is? Yeah, where do you yeah. go late night after, after work? Copycat lamb skewers. Copycat? Yeah. Have never you been there? Never heard of it. No, never heard so of it. So the guy who owns it, Devin Gong, he used to work at Bar Mini. Okay. And he makes amazing, delicious cocktails. And he has this place on H Street Northeast, not too far from Maketo. And it's like a big industry place to hang out. Chef was just there last night. <laughs> and um, Roll the eyes right in there. addition to fantastic cocktails, they have really yummy dumplings, like a really delicious triple delight dumpling and one with pork and chive. But they also have these amazing skewers, like beef cheek and lamb and uh, pork, like good. marinated pork. So what's late night? Like midnight, eleven thirty. Uh, I don't. I mean, their kitchen is open late for DC. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, Easily, solidly you midnight. You could still get a skewer. Me hungry. All right. Last question: butter or olive oil? Butter. Butter. All right. <laughs> that was Jen. a quick. <laughs> I know. Butter makes it better. <laughs> All right, Genevieve. Thanks for coming by the BA Kitchen. Oh, I had so much fun. My first name is William. My middle name is Elliot. My last name is Moss. My restaurant is called Buxton Hall Barbecue in Asheville, North Carolina. Nathan Hobart, chef de cuisine. Morcia. My name is Justin Severino. Owner, co-chef of Morcia Restaurant, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So I am Heidi Sukel, one of the owners of Oberlin Restaurant in Providence, Rhode Island. And I'm Ben Sukel. My name is Ryan Smith. My name is Kara Heidinger. My name is Jen Heidinger. And we're from Staple House in Atlanta, Georgia. We heard about being on the Hot Ten when we were sitting um, at our sweet little banquette there at Staple House in Atlanta. And our local newspaper came and had us on camera. All of a sudden, we're there watching a mini iPad with Andrew Knowlton on CBS 46 and realizing that we had made number one at that exact moment and uh, had no idea that it was live. Um, So we're all kind of sitting there um, struck by the excitement and the awe and it's it's super amazing and felt extraordinarily awkward in the moment. 
So the day I heard we were on the Hot 10, um, I was actually still in bed. Ben had left early to do an event that day, and he texted me with the link to the Hot 10. So that is when I found out I was in bed. We were on a boat uh, going to a dinner that was on a sandbar with some friends of ours that own uh, an oyster farm. And so we were doing that, and it was like 8 o'clock in the morning or something like that, and actually Fabs um, texted me that said we were number 7. And so I just I erupted. I didn't hear that we were on the Hot 10, but I had a hunch because I saw Andrew Knowlton, his two little girls wearing Bucks and Hall barbecue t-shirts the night before, and we're like, oh my god! What was your first kitchen job there, Nate? I was 13. I worked in a Mexican restaurant. It was like my favorite restaurant in the town that I grew up in. My first kitchen job was at a place called Cafe Sam. I went to work, I sliced loins of veal into thin slices, pounded it out, and then to order, I dusted it in flour and seared it on a flat top. First kitchen job was a bun loader at Red Robin for me. My first kitchen job was at Ye Old College Diner in State College, Pennsylvania, and I washed dishes. My first kitchen job was at Yogi's in uh, Bloomington, Indiana when I was in college, and I ran the patio and served a whole lot of beer and sometimes washed dishes. My first kitchen job, ironically, I was 14 years old in Zionsville, Indiana. There's this little neighborhood place called Profits. And I used to work in the kitchen helping make sandwiches and serve, quote, homemade soup and uh, scoop ice cream. My first kitchen job was Chick-fil-A. I worked there for eight years. What do you love most about the city you live in, work in? I think it's, I, I keep saying everyone, but it's like the beach is so nearby and like it's so easy to escape a city in, in that state. And it's only 60 miles tall. So like in 20 minutes, you can be at a beach that's a cliff and like it, it's pretty incredible. We do have collaborations with other Hot 10 chefs. Before the Hot 10 came out, uh, we're pretty good friends with Ryan Smith from the Stable House being so close, just a couple hours away in Atlanta and Asheville. And he reached out to me and was like, hey, can you cook for our one year anniversary party? And I was like, yes. <laughs> In Rhode Island, like, I didn't think like something like Bon Appetit would have an impact on the day-to-day, -day. maybe on something like in long term or something like that. But like two days after, like the Bon Appetit was on a Tuesday and then on Thursday we reopened, we closed Tuesday, Wednesdays, and on Thursday we reopened and it was insane. And it was just like, that. this is incredible. And it's been insane since. I love Asheville. I hated it when I first moved there, 2007. I moved there without a car, without a license. Public transportation sucked. I moved there from Philly, and I hated Asheville. But now I've seen it grown, and I've grown with it, and it's such a beautiful place, and it's my home. It's such a go come to Asheville. <laughs> Please come to Asheville. If you've never been, come to Nashville. You know, the question is, has anyone had a humorous or surprising response to learning about our restaurant being Hot 10? There was, a, there was a moment where somebody sent me a text message and said, so I hear you're the best restaurant in the world. 
And I, I wrote back and I was like, ha ha ha, that's really funny. We, yeah, bon appetit. We're, yeah, we were just named best new restaurant in the country, 2016. It's really amazing. He was like, no, 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 no. That's not what I heard. You're the best restaurant in the world. I was like, thank you. We are. This podcast has been brought to you by Carrie Polis, Emma Wurtzman, and Lily Sherman, with editing by Mitra Kaboli. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Grady's. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Plus, we're now offering online cooking classes with Sir Latab that feature our recipes. Sign up at bonappetit.com slash cooking classes and learn how to make everything from pork chops to molten chocolate cake. Thanks for listening.